Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. There's a lady by the name of uh, Carol Dweck. She wrote a, she's a professor in Stanford, and she wrote a book that's been getting a lot of traction lately talking about mindset. And she labels two different mindsets that I think really pertains to what we deal with here. One of them is called a fixed mindset. A fixed mindset simply says this. It says that, that life is full of fixed amount of uh, gifts and talents. You have a fixed amount, gifts and talents. And your worth is by proving how talented you are. And so often these people with a fixed mindset are doing everything they can to keep from failing and to keep from showing people that they have it, whatever it is. The gifts, the talents, they, we, we gotta create this image that I have this. And so they avoid failure. They don't wanna fail. They don't wanna even try because if they fail, that, that proves they don't have it. I read recently, well not, excuse me, recently, it was a few years ago, something where companies said they were looking for CEOs and when they looked for CEOs and top officers, they did not look for someone who had a perfect track record. They actually looked for someone who had failed before and had bounced back. And when questioned about that, that type of, 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 of look and how they were going after these kind of people, they said this, they said someone who has never failed is always trying to protect that image of being perfect. Said, but someone who has failed and bounced back is willing to take risk and they're willing to, to look at failure and learn from failure. And that's a whole different mindset. Because that's what, what, she, what Carol Dweck called a growth mindset. And a growth mindset says this growth is always possible. It is always possible that, that life is about learning. In fact, every, that failure is not really looked at as failure, failure is looked at as a learning opportunity. And that's different, a learning opportunity. And so people with the growth mindset, they embrace failure. They just think that's part of the process. So well, has that got anything to do with my face? Got a lot, hang on. But the idea of being able to embrace it and keep going is huge. There was a young man who was considered in his high school a social misfit. He loved music, but he did very poorly in all his music classes. When he got out of high school, he wanted to have a recording career, but it wasn't making him any money, and so he drove a truck while he was trying to cut records and get, get gigs. After his first paying gig, his manager looked at him and said, son, you ain't going nowhere. You need to go back to driving a truck. But he kept trying to record. Nothing was happening. He even tried to join a quartet, and the quartet told him, you can't sing. But you know what? Instead of Instead of quitting, he kept going. In fact, he has a quote that says, when things are going wrong, don't go with them. <laughs> it's a pretty good quote, because he kept going, and his music caught on. In fact, it caught on pretty big. In fact, Elvis Presley is still considered one of the greatest musical artists in terms of, of selling, and, and I saw him in concert once, too. That was an experience. But he, he became famous because he refused to quit. He had that growth mindset. But what about our faith? Because, you know, can, can I actually grow in my faith? Yes, you can. Look at, look at the scriptures. Paul's writing to the church at 
Thessalonica that applies to the church in Conroe. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other. Your faith grows. Listen to me this morning. Faith is not a fixed asset. It is not something where some people got it and some people don't got it. <laughs> the good news is when you made Jesus your Lord, you got it. You have the ability to grow in your faith. And you can, but it's going to take a mindset. It will take a mindset that says, I can do this. I can, I can learn. I, I can keep I can keep growing. I'm, I'm looking at this not as an opportunity to fail, but it's an opportunity to learn and grow. I like what Joy shared this morning. You need to unkink your hose. It's not God's fault. And if it's on us, it's like, Lord, I'm, I'm not afraid of that. Lord, tell me the truth. I need to make the adjustments. But you can grow in that. And you're not a failure. If you keep trying, unless you quit. I started, to, Joy and I started our first church in 1989 in my hometown of Greensburg, North Carolina. I left left Houston area, moved down there, started a church. It did not go well. This from the get-go. It didn't go well. We didn't know what we were doing. It was poorly planned, poorly executed. It was, it was, it was bad. My folks came for a couple of weeks and they quit. <laughs> that left us with another couple, one couple. That couple, we were having prayer, prayer meeting in our, our apartment and their prayer request was that the Lord would lead them to a good church. You know, I, I may not be the world's smartest guy, but I started to catch on. I had missed it here. And, and we shut it down, and I went to, I, I, I did temporary work for a while. I, uh, I, went, I went to work for my dad doing a job I'm really not equipped to do. I'm not really good with my hands. And, and I was installing blinds and draperies and cornices and selling for him part-time. And he was gracious to hire me because he really couldn't afford me. And um, it, it was just a hard, hard time. So we're living... We're living there, and, and, and oh, it's so discouraged, just discouraged. And we have a little bitty apartment that's cold and dark, and we're sitting in our little bitty kitchen at our little bitty kitchen table with our little bitty kids. <laughs> and the phone rings one night while we're having dinner. And this was during the time, I was thinking about that today, this is such a different day. The phone was on the wall. Anybody remember when the phone was on the wall? And our kitchen was so small, Joy just reached over there and grabbed it, and, and, <laughs> and she, she put her, her hand down. She said, Alan, it's, it's Pastor Osteen. I said, no, it's not. He never called me when I was one of his volunteers. He's not calling me now. She said, I think it is. And she hands the phone to me over our little bitty table, and so I get on, and it's Pastor Osteen. He said, Alan, this is Pastor Osteen. I said, hey, Pastor. He said, Alan, how's the church going? I said, Pastor, it's not. We, we, we shut it down. I, you know, I'm so glad he did not look at me and go, well, Alan, some people got it and some don't. <laughs> you know, Alan, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad he didn't say to me, Alan, I'm, well, at least you gave it a try. Some people aren't cut out for ministry. Alan, you gave it a try. Some people can't do, can't plant churches. That's not what he said. He said, Alan, he said, you are not a failure. You are a learner. Come home. And within six months, we were back home. And then we tried to plant another church, this one, and it worked. Oh, I'm so glad. 
But listen, that doesn't just apply to me, that applies to you. You're not a failure, you're a learner. You say, Alan, I've tried, I've tried the faith stuff, it doesn't work for me. It, it might not have worked for you in the past, but you don't stop trying. And we don't, because we can keep on learning and we can keep on getting better. We're not failures, we're learners. Jehoshaphat gives us a wonderful picture of faith and what faith looks like, the, the actions of faith. So let's read his story. They prayed, they've asked God for an answer. Here comes the answer. Now Judah, with their little ones, their wives and their children stood before the Lord. Then the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah and a bunch of other guys in the midst of the assembly. And he said, listen, all you Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jerul. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourself, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Love this part. They received the promise of God. They asked God for an answer, and God gave them a promise that he would help them. So I'm going to help you. But then he told them, don't be afraid and don't be discouraged. Well, why would he tell And he actually told them twice. Anytime God repeats himself, that means we need to pay attention. He told them twice because the temptation would be to be afraid and discouraged. He said, but don't do that. And one thing they didn't do that was so smart, they didn't try to figure it out. The Spirit of God came on this, this man, this, this, uh, this man who was considered a prophet, and he spoke out. And they took it as a word from the Lord and they didn't try to dissect it. Okay, now how's this going to work? We're going to go down in the battle, but we're not going to fight in the battle. We're going to stand still, but we're going to win. I don't know how. They didn't do that. They just, when Jehoshaphat heard that, he and all the people, the Bible said, he just bowed his head with his face to the ground and worshiped God. And everybody else worshiped God. In fact, then the Levites stood up and began to praise God. They said with a loud voice. <laughs> we did not invent loud here. Loud's been around a long time. They were just worshiping God and praising him. They received it. But then what they did next was key. It's one thing to hear a promise and go, yay. What they did next was powerful. They acted on that. Let's read the rest of the story. So they rose early in the morning, went out to the wilderness of Tekoa, and as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army. And we're saying, praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. Now when they begin to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. So when Judah came to the place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude, and there were their dead bodies fallen on the earth. No one had escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies and precious jewelry, which they stripped off for themselves, more than they could carry away, and they were three days gathering the spoil because there was so much. And on the fourth day, they assembled in the Valley of Barak, for there they blessed the Lord, and therefore the name of that place was called the Valley of Barak until this day. I mean, Barak means blessing. Then they returned, every man of Judah and Jerusalem, with Jehoshaphat to the front, 
to go back to Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. Great story. So here they come out the next day and they get up early in the morning. There's an action of faith right there. No procrastination. They just moved. God said, go. They're going. They're going down and they're facing the army. But then Jehoshaphat did something that was considered very unusual. He put the praise team up first. Be like us going out to face an army and I look at Justin and go, Justin, you and Mary Beth and y'all's team, y'all are out first. We'll, We'll be right behind you. Can you imagine if you're the praise team? This is not, this is not typical warfare strategy. That you're going out, you're going to face an army. You already know this army's huge. You don't know how God's done it. In fact, at this point in time, you haven't seen anything happen. No lightning bolts from the sky. No nothing. You don't know what is waiting you. And yet Jehoshaphat said, we're going to praise God before we see an answer. And so, man, they had the praise team out. And they were like, praise the Lord for his mercy endure forever. And they had the trumpets and they had the drums and they probably had my favorite instrument, the tambourine. Just kidding. And they were just, <laughs> and they're out there praising God. And, and the Bible said when they did that, then the Lord did what they couldn't do. And he, he just, <laughs> they all rose up, started fighting one another and they all killed one another. It's like, they show up and look and overlook the place. And it's like, everybody's dead. Not only is everybody dead, then they went down, and, the, and, the, and evidently these guys decided to show up to the battle with all their bling bling on. Man, they got their jewelry, they got their jewelry and, their, and all their stuff. And they're like, got their, so they're taking watches, not watches, but they're taking uh, necklaces and bracelets and rings and their armor. Three days, three days they carry away the spoil. But then I love what they do next. Then they give God credit for the victory. Instead of going back home with all that stuff, because they're loaded down, they could have said, man, we're ready to get back home. He said, no, no. Jehoshaphat said, we're going to spend the fourth day and we're going to come down this valley and we're going to praise God and we're going to bless God because we didn't win this battle on our own. God won this battle for us and he's the one that gets all the praise. And they praised him because they went back with joy because God had caused them to rejoice over their enemies. I love this story. So well, what can we learn from it? Well, we can learn this. When it comes to the God's promises, you, me. We have to make them personal and we have to make them possible. So what do you mean? I mean, we've become such an observing nation. We watch musicians. We watch artists. We watch business leaders. We watch athletes who excel or in the case of the Texans. But we watch... But you know what I mean. We, we watch everybody... And we go, I can never do that. They're awesome. They've got it. So we're accustomed to watching. But I'm afraid we brought that over into our spiritual life as well. Is that we watch our favorite preachers, or we watch someone who's spiritual, or we watch people and we go, man, they've got it, but I don't have it. And that's not true. See, we have to take God's promises, and we have to make them possible for us. That when you made Jesus your Lord, you have the capacity to grow, to learn, to, to, to walk with God, to have a relationship with God. Listen, don't make this grandma's God or mama's God or I've got a friend who's spiritual but I'm not spiritual. You have the capacity to walk with God. When you made Jesus to the Lord, you've got it. And you've got the ability to learn, to grow, 
So you make it possible. So you, you say, well, Alan, my problem is I don't have faith. I don't have any faith. Well, we can change that. There's a remedy for that. It's not like it's a fixed asset. It's this, Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, some of, how many of you think that my wife, Joy, is a fairly spiritual person? Put you out, what you think? I realize she just, she's in my shadow all the time, but as she, no, no, she's not. How many of you think, oh, Alan, she's a whole lot better off than you? <laughs> got it. No clapping necessary. I got it. I got it. But here's the deal. When I first met my wife, I would take her to Lakewood. Pastor Steve would give an altar call. She stood up every time to get saved. Over and over and over. Finally, I said, would you sit down? You, you are embarrassing me. You, but you know what? She didn't have much faith. And why didn't she have much faith? Well, it's not like Joy. Some of you think Joy was just born kind of like uh, an angel. And she's like, <laughs> she's awesome. And she always had this halo and this glow about her. I live with the girl. Ain't no glow. <laughs> but here's what did happen. She began to open her Bible and she began to read. And she began to read. And Joy reads in places where your pages are stuck together. And Joy reads, but when she read, faith began to come. Listen, guys, if you're saying, Alan, I lack faith, listen, all you have to begin to do is open your Bible and begin to read. And if you begin to read, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And maybe instead of listening to some jacked up stuff, maybe you start listening to sermons. Maybe that might help you because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And if you begin to listen, your faith can grow. It's not fixed. It's not you got it and some don't have it. It, you've got all you need. All you do. Say, Alan, you're always talking to us about reading the Bible, and I'm going to continue talking to you about reading the Bible as long as I've got a voice, because that's how faith comes, and it's faith that overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And so we need it, we live by it, we walk by it. That's how we got saved. That's how you got saved. We preach salvation enough in America where people believe that if I just confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, I will be saved. People believe that. We believe that in this church. Some of you got saved in this church. Some of you have been watching online. You got saved. Well, how did you do that? You believed God's promise. You made it personal and you made it possible for you. It works that way with every other promise, with wisdom, with strength, with healing, with provision, every other way. You make it personal. You make it possible. It'll work for you. You. Then here's another thing. We begin to act on. We begin to act on God's word. You did that today when you came. You're going to go to church? Well, okay. You came. Good. Good for you. That's acting on your faith that God's real and worth spending time. James said it this way. This is Moffat's translation. Faith, if it's unaccompanied by obedience, has no life in it. So as long as it stands alone. Nay, some will say, you have faith, I have actions. Prove to me your faith apart from corresponding actions, and I will prove mine to you by my actions. Our actions reveal. Now, what Jehoshaphat said to the people makes sense for us today. Believe in God, you're established. Believe in his prophets, and you, and you will prosper. That word prosper means to succeed, to break out. But you say, well, Alan, that's my problem. I need a prophet to give me a word. You don't need a prophet to give you a word. 
You've got the same spirit that was on that prophet living on the inside of you, and he can inspire God's word in your heart and give you things. He can show you things. And when he does, if you'll believe it, you'll prosper in that. So this, it's not just we're reading our Bible as a duty. The Holy Spirit has the ability to make it come alive. And something can go off in you and you can go, oh, that's a promise for me. And Mo, you had a promise for you. You got something you, got something you can deal with. Now, a lot of you know, if you've been around me for any long time, you know my stories. I could, I could probably number them and you'd go, oh, number four, love number four. But <laughs> some of you have never heard my story about how my mom was praying for me. I, I was saved, filled with the Spirit when I was 19 years old, selling books in Carbondale, Illinois. Came back to college. I had no church. I had no Christian friends. All my friends were my fraternity brothers. And these guys majored in partying and minored in academics. And they were, they were serious. And I gradually just fell away. When it did, it broke my mother's heart. My dad said, we came to visit you, Alan. And mom cried the two hours. She cried all the way back home. She's crying because her son's turned away from God. He was on fire for God. Now he's turned away from God. That's a heartbreak for a parent. And she, she cried, cried. So one night she can't sleep. She's up. And she's praying. She's crying out to God. And she opened her Bible. And uh, she likes the book of Isaiah. She's beginning to read in the book of Isaiah. And her, she came to Isaiah 44. And these verses, she said, it's like they jumped off the page. For I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. One will say I'm the Lord's and another will call himself by the name of Jacob. She said when she read that, she said it just went off in her that me and my sister were going to come back to the Lord. She'd been agonizing. She'd been, she'd been crying. I would go home. She tried to slip Jesus into every conversation. And uh, she got this promise, and she was able to relax. See, listen, you can take a promise like that, and you can use it to combat fear and discouragement. When fear comes, you don't have to give in to fear, but you need something you can stand on. What are you going to do? 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 Well, I asked God for wisdom, and the Bible said if I asked him for wisdom, that he would give me wisdom, and he would not reproach me, and he would give it abundantly. So I thank God I've got the wisdom. Don't keep bothering me, enemy, about what I'm going to do. God will show me what to do. You've got something you can resist fear with. Well, you'll never get a job. You'll never get a job. It's never going to work for you. No, the Bible said that my God supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, and that would also include a job. So I've got something to resist fear with. And that's what my mom began to do. I said, well, great, Alan, did you get saved the next week? Did you come back to the Lord the next week? <laughs> no. Two years later. Two years later. Two years later, I told my mom, I'm moving to Houston, Texas. She said, as soon as I told her that, something went off on the inside of her like, it's a good move. And mama let her baby boy go. And when I showed up in Houston, Texas, I've only been, I've only been here two months less than two months, and walking by the pool, I see this gorgeous little Italian girl with long dark hair and a leopard print bikini, and I'm like, mm. <laughs> And the Lord used her as bait to draw me back to him. <laughs> Good bait. <laughs> I married that bait. I'm going to tell you that right now. I was, 
And I've been back with him ever since. My sister came back 20 years later. So 20 years is a long time. Yeah, but 20 years is nothing in eternity. What do you do? You, you, take, you begin to act on the promises. And if you want to kick it up a notch, you really want to begin to act on the promises, I, I, I tell you something we can always do. God's given you a promise in your heart. If you found a promise in his word that applies to you, one of the best things we can do is to give him praise ahead of time. Lord, I just want to praise you and thank you. Yeah, your children look like they're getting worse. I want to praise God that all my children are going to serve God. I want to thank you, Lord, that I've raised them right and they will not depart from the way. Lord, I want to thank you that you're working in my family. Lord, I want to thank you that you're providing our needs. Lord, I want to thank you that even though they've said, the doctor said I could never recover. Lord, I want to thank you that I am recovering because by your stripes I'm healed. And, and you use, what were you doing? I'm acting on what I believe. You don't have to feel anything. Oh, listen, don't try to act on your feelings because feelings are this. We act on our faith. This is what we believe. And then the next thing is, and, and when God comes through for you, and when he comes through for you, and when he comes through for you, give him credit. You say, well, I don't know if he'll come through for me. Remember, it's possible. It's, it's personal. He'll come through for you. And when he comes through for you, don't liken it to luck or just that you hung in there, or we had great doctors, give God all the credit for what he's done. I was standing on a, I was in a plane. I was in a, I was in an airplane heading for Tampa, Florida, and praying that my seat would stay empty beside me. It, it did not. I need more faith in that area. But I was, I, I was praying, and, and a man sits down, he had a University of North Carolina t uh, sweatshirt on. And so we struck up a conversation, we began to talk, and we hit it off very well, and we're about the same age and had very similar experiences, and he had been in Austin visiting a friend of his who was dying. He asked me what I did, and I began to tell him, and, and he was very interested. We talked about how the Lord had, 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 had worked with me and how I'd come out of, uh, of a pretty rough, not pretty rough lifestyle, just I wasn't serving God lifestyle, a partying lifestyle, and I, and I left a business to start a church. He was intrigued by that. But he was telling me about his friend. I began to tell him about how my wife had been diagnosed with chronic acute pancreatitis and the doctors weren't giving her much chance, but the Lord healed her. I'll never forget, he looked at me and he was trying to be polite. He said, I I'm sorry, but I just can't believe that. I looked at him and said, <laughs> I said, it doesn't matter. I'm the one with the healed wife who's alive 26 years later. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. I said, I know what God did. It's interesting. He, he waited for me when I got off the plane, talked to me all the way. Say, did you lead him to the Lord? No, but I planted some good seeds in that guy. And I believe that somebody else can come along and water them. But here's the deal. I'm going to give God credit because when pancreatitis raised its ugly head against my family, God caused us to rejoice over our enemy. He did it for Jehoshaphat. He did it for us. He can do it for you. So I don't have any enemies. Yeah, you do. Satan is an enemy. Fear is an enemy. Depression is an enemy. Addiction is an enemy. Poverty is an enemy. Sickness is an enemy. Sin and death are enemies. But God can cause you to rejoice over your enemies. They may raise their head. But you're like, God, I'm coming through this. And he will. For you. He will for you, not just me, for you.
because you got it. When you made Jesus Lord, you got it. No second-class citizens with God's kingdom. No haves and have-nots. Joint heirs with Jesus. Connected to him. Thank God we got it. And you say, well, if I got it, I sure haven't done much with it. Well, thank God you're not a failure. You're a learner. You can learn. Would you bow your heads with me? If you're here this morning or maybe you're watching online and you said, you know what, Alan, I don't, uh, I, I don't know that I have a relationship with the Lord or I'm not sure about that. We want to give you an opportunity to pray. We're not going to have you stand up or come down to the front. Or Maybe you're like I was. Maybe you, you had a relationship with the Lord and you walked away from him. We're going to, again, we're just going to give you the same, same prayer. We're going to give you the opportunity to come back. Probably the most important thing you'll ever do. It'll make a difference in this life. It'll make a difference in eternity. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one's looking around. If that's you I'm talking to and you're here today, you say, Alan, I'm not sure where I am with the Lord, but I want to be sure or I want to come back. Would you pray for me? Shoot your hand up real quick just across this auditorium. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your humility. It takes some courage to do that. Anybody else? Say, Alan, that's me. Would you pray for me? Wonderful. Thank you. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. If you did not lift your hand and you really wanted to, you can still get in on this prayer. This prayer will apply to you. God sees hands. He sees hearts. So we're going to pray. If you're watching online, if you're by yourself, won't you pray this prayer with us? If you're with other people, pray it quietly. But we're going to pray it with you as a church family. You pray it out loud so you can hear yourself pray. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Heads are still bowed, eyes are closed. Heavenly Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer. There's some in here, Father, who've stepped out of darkness into your marvelous light, and there's some that have come back home, both here and watching online. And we're grateful for that. We rejoice with them. And Father, for the rest of us, we rejoice that we serve a strong, mighty God, and we can learn, we can grow, we can change, we can unkink our hoses, and you can help us. And things don't have to remain the same. We give you all the praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope this message has blessed you. We have services every single Sunday at 9 and 1030 and Wednesday nights at 7. We'd love to see you here. Have a great week.